Hey, you guys, it's Sharpie. I'm the guest from episode number 20. I like to travel to the edge of the known universe and peer over the edge to see what's out there. It's sort of like digging below the surface, tapping into the electromagnetic network of fungi and tree roots to try and figure out what they're talking about. Spread the word to anyone who you think may be interested in expanding their horizon and growing their universe. Thanks, guys. Tune in soon. Welcome back to ATBS, the podcast. The upcoming episode is the second of two with Garrett Kopp, founder of Birch Boys, Inc. Episode number 11 is the counterpart to this episode. Remember, Garrett is offering ATBS listeners a generous 15% discount off of your first order. Use promo code ATBS at their website, www.birchboys.com. This episode is titled Powerful Polypores, The Origins of Ancient Medicine. And I'm psyched to go deep in the Adirondack Forest, deep into the world of powerful polypores, and deep into Garrett's mind on this one. I hope you enjoy it. Garrett, welcome back to the podship and thank you for rejoining for part two of our conversation on uh, mushrooms and birch boys and all the good things that you're doing in your life. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So for those of you listening, I appreciate you being here as always. And uh, you know, Garrett is the founder and lead man at Birch Boys in Tupper Lake, New York. Find them at birchboys.com and they're wild harvesting mushrooms and creating teas and tinctures and studying and laboratorying and checking and figuring and and you know exploring all of the benefits of mushrooms and especially wild wild and sustainably harvested mushrooms in the great Adirondack Park. Yeah, and uh specifically we're talking about Agaricomycetes mushrooms, which essentially means wood-destroying mushrooms. Uh, I, another term I use for these are polypores. Uh, polypores just means there are thousands of little pore tubes that release the spores. So these are like your shelf bracket mushrooms that you'd see growing off the sides of living and dead trees. Right. Polypore. Mushrooms. And here we are on part two. And the header for today is powerful polypore mushrooms, the origins of ancient medicine. Right. So, you know, with that being said, I think it's a good time for a disclaimer, especially in this episode. <laughs> of course. We are going to cover some legitimate medical research. That being said, I am reading the work of other people. I am not a doctor myself. 
I make no claims or implications that any of my products can treat, fight, cure, prevent, diagnose any disease or ailment or illness. This is all just really good information that I think should be shared because I think that truthfully, the medical community in the future with more research is, is going to accept and embrace polypore mushrooms as something that really can revolutionize modern medicine. But that being said, you know, I acknowledge that there is more research that's required. Um, there's only one mushroom actually that is in a clinical trial right now. That being said, there is one mushroom that we're going to cover that is undergoing an FDA approved clinical trial. So there's six mushrooms that I'd like to cover, namely Chaga, Inonotus obliquus, Rishi, Ganoderma suge, Ganoderma lucidum, Lion's mane, Heurisium arenaceus, Turkey tail, Tramides versicolor, and Maitake, Graffola frondosa. Fantastic. Before we go into each of those, Garrett, I guess I will throw out my own disclaimer and I'll have this on the website. And you know, we can learn a lot of things online. We have the sum of human knowledge at our fingertips. We have to be careful what we read as, you know, thinking that it may be factual or not. So we have to be discerning on what we consume and how we integrate that into our lives. So as a disclaimer, I'm trying to shed some light on subjects that people might not be familiar with. And I think that this is one of them. And I think you and I, well, somebody said, oh, you're talking about mushrooms. Are they magic mushrooms? Are they, you know, psychoactive mushrooms? No, they're, they're not. They're nutritional, medicinal. And I put that in air quotes. Everybody has to do their own research. So this is just my disclaimer that, you know, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm super curious. As most of my listeners know, I've been told that I have cancer and, you know, I'm willing to go research and look and understand and learn and figure out, and I can make choices and decisions for myself. I share this information as a curious guy a guy who grew up in the Adirondack Park. So Garrett is in the Adirondacks. And so all of those things said, you know, go do your own research, people. Talk to your doctors, talk to your medicine people, talk to whoever you need to talk to. But I highly recommend taking responsibility for your own health. With that, Garrett, back to you. Yeah. And, you know, on the first thing I like to say, when I'm trying to open people's mind to the idea of using mushrooms to heal. Just remember that not so long ago, one of the most revolutionary pieces of modern medicine was derived from a fungus on accident, and that's called penicillin. So we all know that story. This fungus just grew in a Petri dish and like it was all an accident. And I just think, you know, imagine if we started really studying these things on purpose. So <laughs> that's kind of you know, one thing that is hard to argue with, there's really a variety of things in the fungal kingdom that people just haven't put any work into understanding. So yeah, of course there are psilocybin mushrooms or hallucinogenic mushrooms, and that can kind of dominate the conversation on mushrooms as well as the poisonous mushrooms. And that kind of gives them a bad rap yeah, the people's fear of mushrooms, right? Like they walk in the woods and go, okay, kids, don't touch those. I think it just, it falls into the unknown, right? The fear of the unknown. Yeah. Oh, we don't know mushrooms, so what do we do? I mean, from day one, we were all taught, you know, never, never think that you're going to be capable of eating a mushroom or identifying a mushroom. It's just too dangerous. 
And that is just not true. <laughs> so specifically in the case of polypores, it's really important to differentiate them from you know, the underlying fungal kingdom because there's only about 86 species of polypore mushrooms. And these are the ones generally that have a lot of the really powerful healing properties. And not to say that there isn't any poisonous mushrooms within the polypore group, but I believe there's only one, one out of 86. And, and the ones that are, are very much things that you know, really don't look like any of the polypore mushrooms that we're going to discuss. Let's talk about, I mean, you're in upstate New York in the Adirondack Park, 6 million acres. You're wild and sustainably harvesting off 220 acres of leased land. Is that accurate? 220,000 acres of leased land. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> 220,000. Okay. Yeah, I get rolling along and <laughs> forgot some zeros there. 220,000 acres of, of leased land. But that said, all across the northern hemisphere, there are forests abound, right? So if somebody's listening in California or somebody's listening in Michigan or Minnesota or Wisconsin or, you know, Montana for that matter, are they going to be able to go out and, you know, go, oh, well, that's, you know, that's a polypore mushroom. Yeah, that's reishi. That's a reishi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So actually right now, it's beautiful. That's one thing that's beautiful about Instagram and some of the more positive parts of social media, I guess, is I'm seeing people all over the world, all over the country, finding reishi right now because reishi is actively growing. So, I mean, I can confirm that in the Carolinas down to Texas, you, you actually are going to find reishi indefinitely in California. So I would assume everywhere in between as well. And, you know, what I think it really comes down to is we have to remember these are wood destroying mushrooms and what they do is they decompose trees. So the Adirondacks are kind of special in the sense that Adirondack actually translates into bark eater in indigenous lore. So that was a nickname, I believe, that the Algonquins gave to the Iroquois or the Haudenosaunee, the people of the longhouse that lived in the Adirondack mountains. And there's you know, a variety of theories as to why that is. And I'd love to speak to someone who knows more about this, but it just makes me ask myself, I wonder if there's a connection to the bark eaters, meaning the polypore mushrooms, because that's what these things are. They, they eat bark. So old growth is relatively important here. The Adirondacks are again special because we have, you know, a 6 million acre protected state park where development and clearing of land is, you know, relatively regulated. Whereas in the rest of the world, you might not have such strict regulations on that. So I would say it's probably easier to find these things in the Adirondacks because you have generations of fungi and mushrooms that have been able to reproduce because there hasn't been clear cutting of land. You know, you're not going to find these things on little saplings. These are going to be growing on like monster dead trees or live trees or half dead trees. You mentioned this in our other episode where the difference between the mushroom and the fungi. Yes. So every mushroom comes from a fungus, but not every fungus produces a mushroom. And the easiest way to kind of put that into perspective is that the fungus is the underlying organism. The mushroom is just a reproductive organ that the fungus produces at a strategic time to deploy spores 
and reproduce. So I, the other day, found a log, you know, that had 102 reishi mushrooms growing on it. But it's very likely that that is all one single organism, one fungus. The fungus is like this thread network of mycelium that will span throughout the log or span underground that is kind of invisible and really hard to research. Right. And that keeps coming up, you know, when in our conversations and in my own research in preparing for the episode, uh, you know, it's so hard. We're not able to see underground. We're not able to see what's going on down there under our feet. I do want to mention that as part of my you know, hunting around online so that I can have somewhat informed conversation about polypores and mushrooms. I read that there's evidence of human use dating back some 5,300 years. If anybody's familiar with Otzi the Iceman that was, uh, you know, unearthed in Italy back in 1991, there in the Italian Alps, there was evidence of polypore mushrooms on his body in his satchel you familiar with that i am yeah absolutely you are (laughs) (laughs) yes of course you are so uh, you know i find it interesting when and, and again this is back to the whole intent of atbs the podcast is oh if there's something interesting then go looking and explore you know what's been going on in our world over the long haul and then in some cases you know brand new information so you, Garrett, mentioned you want to touch on some specific mushrooms, yes? Yeah. Fire away at your at your leisure. Okay. Well, I'll segue right into reishi because it's growing right now. And also it has a lot of history. Not quite, well, you know, very well may date back 5,000 years. But uh, I actually have a timeline that we've produced on reishi. So I'll tell you about it. Before the first century, Chinese healers from the Han Dynasty were the first ones to discover that reishi had healing properties. In the first century, reishi's medicinal values are documented within Shen Nong's herbal classics. In the third century, reishi became a highly coveted commodity limited only to the Chinese nobility, and it remained that way for a very long time. In the 1960s, reishi became a cultivated mushroom in China, which greatly expanded its global research. And in the 1960s, to you know, more modern day, it started to be very heavily studied with a great amount of research pointing to its benefits. And then here we are in 2020, and people are just discovering that reishi exists in America. And this is an interesting trend. You have it with reishi, you have it with lion's mane, you have it with some other mushrooms. You have Ganoderma lucidum in China. We have Ganoderma suge here in America. I call them both Rishi, even though technically Rishi was the Chinese name in America. People call it the you know varnish shelf or the hemlock bracket. But really, we have this happening with lion's mane and the bear's head. That's Heresia marinaceus and Heresia americanum. And really, this is just ecological variants. So thinking of Pangaea, you know, continental drift and all that, you just have variants in each hemisphere. Really, what I've been fascinated with is the wild American mushrooms that people have not known about because these things date back, like we say here, talking about Atsi the Iceman, talking about the Han Dynasty, thousands of years in the other hemisphere. But we've really lost knowledge about how these things were used in America. And it's an absolute 
idiotic thing to believe that they weren't used by Native Americans. But unfortunately, we really don't know much of how that happened or even what their names were for these things. So I think that American wild mushrooms are going through a rebirth right now. And just in terms of, wow, Rishi is in America, Chaga's in America, Lion's Mane is in America. We just call them different things. And we're really just maybe tuning in, getting our antennae up. And this seems to be a reoccurring theme in these conversations that I'm having is that, you know, whether it's mindfulness and yoga and Qigong and, you know, in the West, people think of yoga as getting into the studio and getting your sweat on. And yet, you know, it's been around for thousands of years. The asana practice of yoga is a physical preparation for meditation. It's not new. It's just that we're, we're tuning in, we Americans. So when you talk about mushrooms and the Han dynasty and Atsi the Iceman and in very, you know, different parts of the world, you know, here we are kind of retuning. It would be wild to think that it didn't exist, that Native Americans weren't tuned into the mushroom kingdom. And here we are just kind of tuning back in. So I appreciate the fact that you're fine tuning yourself and your knowledge and you're willing to share it. Yeah, frankly, you know, it's just I have a small group of uh, Native American customers and I've learned a lot already. It's just really fascinating and kind of common sense if you think about it, that we came over to this land not having grown up here and, you know, colonized. And and that's how you get to a point where in 2020, we know nothing about the mushrooms that exist on, on our land. Anyway, I'd like to get into some of the specific benefits with reishi. Reishi has four core benefits that I think are noteworthy, stress relief, immune system support, anti-cancer activity, and cardiovascular health. So I'll start with the stress relief. It's classified as an adaptogen. Reishi well, adaptogens help the body maintain homeostasis by stabilizing physiological properties related to stress. Adaptogens support neurological, endocrine, and immune systems and allow a more positive physical response to stress. You know, there's a lot of overlap. So as I talk into some of the immune system support properties, it ties into the adaptogenic traits. It contains three major immunomodulating substances triterpenoids, proteins, and polysaccharides like beta-D-glucans. So a 2002 study states that these increase mitogenicity, which is cell reproduction, and activation of immune cells, thus supporting an effective immune response and contributing to its anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer properties. A 2018 study also related immunomodulatory activity of reishi to potent anti-cancer properties due to its ability to regulate the expression levels of immune cytokines in blood serum. And, you know, that's kind of a talking point in antiviral research right now and the cytokine storm that uh, is exhibited in coronavirus um, in your lungs. And I say that's related, you know, that's all I'm saying. I'm not, it's specific cytokines that you'd have to look into. But a 2002 study found that several polysaccharides, among them beta-D-glucans, uh, gylans isolated from Ganoderma lucidum, also exhibited immunostimulating activity. The isolated compounds increased proliferation of lymphocytes in vitro, so that it means rapidly increasing the number of white blood cells. 
that's a little bit about Rishi. One other thing about Rishi that's really cool is that it can uh, help reduce allergies. Rishi has been shown to regulate the release of histamines, which is directly associated with allergies. In this context, what are the ways that we can get Rishi? So like you're out there wild and sustainably harvesting, you've got a you know, it looks like it's going to be a great year for it. It's not an every year occurrence. And so, you know, for the average listener who's like reishi mushrooms and they're talking about this and this and this, and of course, remember the disclaimer, do your own research, but how do we consume it? I know how I'm consuming it while we're on the phone. I put reishi tincture in my water bottle once a day. I'm curious, what do you suggest? How do you get it in your system? It's a really great question. Um, first of all, don't eat reishi don't eat chaga you don't eat a lot of these things like it's okay to eat lion's mane and turkey tail they say but in general that really is number one not the most effective way to get the benefits of the mushrooms but number two in the case of the more tough ones like chaga and reishi it's actually bad and dangerous for you our bodies are not meant to digest these things they're very hard that means we have to look to extraction methods. Now, historically, the most obvious one is a tea or a hot water extraction, and that's been done for thousands of years. Along the way, people have also figured out how to make tinctures. And tinctures are really important, and that's really what I would emphasize as the best way to use these mushrooms. Uh, if you were going to buy a mushroom product for its benefits, I would suggest a tincture because... The tincture is not only extracting the water-soluble components like a tea would, but you're also breaking down some of the longer-chain molecules that are not water-soluble that exist within the mushroom, and there are many of those. So one example is with chaga. As we talk about chaga's benefits, you're, I'm going to come across a compound called betulin, and betulin has been found to trigger apoptosis in cancer cells. You know, it can directly actually kill uh, certain cancer cells. And that's been found in certain studies. So that compound betulin, though, you're not going to be able to get any betulin if you just make chaga tea. You would need to soak it in alcohol in order for that to be soluble. So a tincture is essentially taking the best of both worlds. Some people call it a double extract or a dual extract because what you're doing is you're taking a hot water extract of chaga then you're also letting chaga soak in alcohol for six weeks or so. And then you strain both and, and you combine the extracts. So you just have to add in, like you said, 10, 20 drops of this potent chaga tincture into any beverage. And that allows you to get the benefits because it's very concentrated and it maximizes the bioavailability of everything in it. Yeah, great. Your tincture explanation is news to me you know i drink a lot of chaga tea and i'm not sure i have chaga tincture and clearly i should so this is a pretty opportune time to say you know check out birchboys.com and see what they've got and these guys are doing a wonderful job and i've followed the story for a long time and i mentioned it in part one and i think you can tell by listening to garrett that you know we're not talking to somebody who doesn't know what the heck he's doing so Go check them out, you know, get what you need. And ATBS, as a promo code, you'll receive a generous 15% discount. So thank you for that, Garrett. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, and that's true. 15% off coupon code ATBS. 
and that will just keep going. It will be one time per use, you know, but that's not going to expire. It's just going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. And hopefully we just continue to spread the word. And I, I'm certain that you and I aren't just going to have two conversations. I just, I just know that. <laughs> but yeah, and just, you know, on this note, and this is not intended to like trash competitors. I'm not going to say anything specific about anyone, but it's just important to recognize that there are gimmicks in every industry. Um, you have people that have died because they're eating five tablespoons of chaga per day. And this is a real thing. So, so just be very careful. It's very easy to slap the word chaga onto anything or, you know, same with Rishi. Really, I'm telling you, there's a lot of research out there. And, and if it is not a tea or a tincture, it's probably not something that you should be consuming unless, you know, a, that's the form that it has been used in the product. Like don't eat raw chaga is my point. <laughs> don't eat raw rishi. There's people that sell like powders and mixes of these things to put in your smoothie. And that's just like a bad, bad idea. So uh, I appreciate you pointing that out. Yeah, let's stay on that track, right? And I'm not afraid to say these things on the podcast, right? Like, let's get information out there that's helpful, right? And as you said very clearly, Garrett, you're not trying to bash anybody, but we all need to take responsibility for our own health and wellness. You know, whether you buy it from Birch Boys or you buy it from some other reputable outfit, you know, just know what you're doing. Does that cover Rishi and Chaga or did we not go too far into Chaga? Well, let's talk a little more about Chaga. The thing that's really unique about Chaga is it's actually not a mushroom at all. You know, it's become synonymous that Chaga mushroom, but it's a fungus. You're just getting like the mycelium or technically it's an aerial sclerotia. I'm not even going to try and explain what that means, but <laughs> Chaga is extremely virulent. It is actually a parasite. It is a parasite to live birch trees. It will kill the birch tree. It will decimate the birch tree. You know, people that actually grow chaga on artificial substrates like rice will promote this myth that chaga has this wonderful, sustainable, uh, symbiotic relationship with the birch tree. And I think it's just because they need to use that to promote their product to say that people that are wild harvesting chaga is unsustainable. The truth is, it's, it's not, at least in the way that we are doing it. But the other truth is that if your chaga is not wild harvested, your chaga is not chaga at all. It is not real, it is not the same thing. So it takes that relationship where the chaga is actually draining and extracting the life force of the tree for years. It hollows out the center of the tree and it stores all of the beneficial compounds, minerals, nutrients, etc., in this like rough textured, you know, piece of fungal armor that explodes out of the side of the tree. So chaga is really unique in that context. It only grows on live trees. And chaga is really kind of an anomaly in just the power of its benefits because of that life cycle. One of the things that chaga is really rich in is melanin. Melanin is great for your skin. More melanin in your skin essentially allows you to be more resistant to UV light. It promotes the growth of your nails and your hair because you have melanin in your hair and in your skin and in your nails, but also in your eyes. That's really a beneficial thing to supplement your body with melanin because that's what makes the dark color of chaga. So somehow 
melanin is actually soluble when you make chaga tea, which is really unique because that's something it's kind of bound to in the chaga that makes it that way. Whereas on its own, it wouldn't be soluble. So that's one thing that's really special about chaga. But chaga is also, you know, in correlation with that melanin concentration, the most potent source of antioxidants on earth and phenolic compounds. That means it's extremely anti-inflammatory. It's extremely beneficial for your immune system. But there is more research required. There are people that have found that chaga may contain oxalates, which are not good for you. They cause kidney stones. So anything in moderation, something like chaga is really special and should be treated as such. It might not be a good thing to be drinking three cups of chaga every single day. Some interesting history about chaga. The Conti people of Western Siberia were the first that we know of to use it. They found that chaga aided with digestion. That was 2,000 years ago. And then Tsar Vladimir Monomach attributed the disappearing of lip tumors to a decoction of chaga mushroom in the 12th century. In the 16th century, Shen Nung Pen Sao Ching dubbed chaga the king of herbs. Then in 1950, the Moscow Medical Institute began conducting clinical trials on chaga mushroom. In 1955, chaga was recognized officially as a medical treatment in Russia. And then in 1968, the cancer ward by a Russian novelist made the findings of chaga mushroom available to the Western world. So it makes sense that just like through the woodwork, people who have read this in America are slowly one by one talking about it. And all of a sudden we're here in 2020 and it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. Sure is. And you're helping to make that a reality. I'm doing what I can. <laughs> yeah, you're doing what you can. And I think you're doing a great job of it. In another podcast, the, the O-Search episode, which uh, I encourage people to listen to. It's super fun with Chris Fisher. He talks about a bit of wisdom that was shared with him by a woman, and I can't think of her name right now. But what she said was the slow build is the only build that endures, right? So slow and steady, right? Not quick, not a flash in the pan. And and what you're doing, I think, is you know slow and steady, right? Stick to your principles, learn, educate yourself, proceed mindfully with the forest, with the resource in a sustainable way, learn as you go and build for the long haul. Well, that's kind of validating to hear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I know because we, you know, and I think in the world we live today, we kind of want it and we want it now. And, you know, people want to be healthy and they want to be healthy now, or we want to learn and we want to learn now. And, you know, some things take time, you know, like I expect it'll take time for ATBS, the podcast to get legs and, and really find a broad audience. I, I certainly hope that's the case. I, I intend for that to happen and, you know, it won't happen by accident and it won't probably happen quickly, but, um, I'm hopeful that when people hear, you know, powerful polypores, the uh, origins of ancient medicine with Garrett Kopp will, and Birch Boys will, you know, that'll bring more people into the fold. So we've covered, you've covered Rishi and Chaga. I couldn't even begin to cover it. So we haven't, but you have, and I appreciate it. Let's get into Lion's Mane. Let's. And Lion's Mane is a little bit quicker. It's very uh, specific. Some, I mean, it has... A wider variety of benefits. There's going to be more to learn about each of these things than I'm able to cover in the time that we have. But let's talk about lion's mane's 
kind of characteristic. It's very much known as a nootropic or something that is awesome for your brain. So one of the benefits of lion's mane is actually memory retention and neurodegenerative disease prevention. Lion's mane, Heresium arenaceus, has earned its spot as one of the most impressive medicinal mushrooms due to its nootropic abilities. They've been thoroughly studied and demonstrated by professionals. A 2017 study showed that mice who were fed lion's mane supplements, and those were like water extracts, exhibited significant increase in spatial awareness and short-term and recognition memory. Researchers concluded that it induces a boost effect on neuronal functions. These brain-boosting effects have also been examined for the treatment of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia. In a 2011 study, treatment with lion's mane prevented impairment in mice afflicted with amyloid beta peptides, which are a cause of Alzheimer's. You know, on this same wavelength, nerve growth and regeneration of nerve cells is another trademark of lion's mane. Nerve growth factor, NGF, is essential in maintaining and organizing neurons in the central nervous system, as well as ensuring neural survivor and modulating neurogenesis and memory. Heresiones and erinacins isolated from lion's mane have been found to stimulate NGF synthesis. So they actually showed heresium erinaceus extracts induced a five-fold increase in nerve growth factor in the expression of MGF in mRNAs in human astrocytoma cells compared to the control group. So really, this is just like an explosion of better health going on in your brain. Well, I think we all like that. I can't, Im- I can't imagine there's a listener out there who's going, <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's been research that even shows it can help repair the myelin sheath on damaged nerve cells. And that's directly related to MS, uh, multiple sclerosis, because that's what happens when your myelin is destroyed. Not only can it help prevent that, but it can actually help regenerate the myelin sheath, which is really fascinating. There's even been research on lion's mane's use for test scores where people that were on lion's mane, their average test scores went up. And when they came off lion's mane, their test scores went back down. So there's evidence that it can just, you know, and it makes sense given everything else that we've said, that it can actually make you smarter. I think it's really a fascinating thing. It's also been researched for anxiety in women and depression. Really, it's regarded as one of the best supplements that women can be taking because of that, especially if you're depressed. I don't have the details of the study right here on hand, but look it up. Look up the effects of lion's mane for women with depression and anxiety, and it's really interesting. One of a number of really cool things on your website is the science department. You know, you've done a tremendous amount of organization of studies that are out there in the world for people to go and have a look at, right? So go to the science tab on Birch Boys on any of the things that Garrett's talking about, and you can go and and find them. You can go read the studies for yourself, which I think is great. The other thing I really like is you can track your chaga. I have to give credit to my chemist for organizing and, you know, compiling the science center. Um, And that's going to be an ongoing thing. As we conduct research or as more research becomes available, we're just going to continue building that out. So it becomes like an organized database and way of referencing the research that already exists. It probably takes 
you know, hours and hours and hours and hours of research that I've done and just makes it all easier to find. Does your chemist have a name? Maya, Maya White. <laughs> Maya White. Well, thank you, Maya, for doing that. It's one of the things that I also want to accomplish here on the uh, on the podcast is that, you know, there are all these, none of these things happen on their own, right? We don't, we don't accomplish these things solo. You know, my podcast doesn't come into existence without the help of Wyatt Schmidt. He's my editor. And he and I had a conversation the other day and I said, you know, Wyatt, we should do an episode on like, where in the world is Wyatt? Because he edits from the back of a van. Like he's, he's mobile. He's 25 years old. He's a young man, just like yourself. He's mobile and he's super, super capable, talented. And I said, you know, people should know who you are, Wyatt. It's not just, it shouldn't just be the guy behind the scenes and the same thing goes holds for your uh, for your chemist. So thank you for thank you, Maya. And on that note, thank you, uh, Allison Mitchell. Thank you, Tyler Nelson. Thank you, Kim Carpenter, who are all kind of in the room with me, being quiet as they're working oh, as I awesome. do this podcast. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and I, that's awesome that they're there, and and it's great to get. You know, I know you've got a, a tight knit team of people there, and and you know, I can't wait to roll through Tupper and 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 come see you all. Yeah. Garrett, you're the face and the name and the founder, but you know I know there are good people behind all of us, and so it's great to hear you give them a shout out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Turkey Tail, uh, Turkey Tail is an important one to cover because this is the one that is actually undergoing a clinical trial that was approved by the FDA. So it's most known for its anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer activity. In 2012 the FDA approved a $5.4 million clinical trial studying the effects of turkey tail supplementation in conjunction with chemotherapy in people battling late-stage prostate cancer. The study was funded by the National Institutes of Health, and it's being conducted by researchers at Bastyr University. So how awesome is that? <laughs> you know, that's one of the most uh, exciting things to me to see that this actually has promise in being embraced by the medical community. One thing that I want to talk about with turkey tail that's really probably the most significant component is PSK, polysaccharide crestin. That's one of the active ingredients. In Japan, polysaccharide crestin extracted from turkey tail mushrooms is an approved drug and paid for by national healthcare to treat cancer along with standard chemotherapy and as an adjuvant therapy. Once again, an adjuvant therapy, for those who don't know, it's a secondary form of treatment administered after primary cancer treatments to lower the risk that the cancer will return. So PSK has been rigorously researched in patients with breast cancer, colorectal cancer, gastric cancer, and lung cancer. Clinical trials have also shown that PSK treatment improves quality of life during chemotherapy and post-surgery as well as extends five and 10 year survival rates. It's been shown to have antiviral, cholesterol regulating and immunomodulatory effects. It's, it's hard to even know what to say to that when, you know, all of these things that you're referencing and, you know, being a cancer thriver myself, I, I hear these things. I know that lots of people out there in the world, sadly, are gonna hear the words that, you know, we're sorry to say you have cancer. And I, again, I'll go, I'll go here now, um, which is, and I'll do this because the genesis of ATBS, the podcast was me sharing my cancer journey and thriving with cancer and the different experiences that I have had and the things that I've explored. 
And I decided that maybe talking about cancer all the time would get a little dull, maybe a little tedious and not be that interesting. It may be interesting to a lot of people. And, and I will share as much as I, as much as I can over time. But, you know, here you are talking about some of the benefits and, and referencing different studies and specifically with, with Turkey tail, where there's a clinical trial out there being funded by the NIH. And so, you know, bravo to the system. Sometimes we don't always love the system. Um, and we think it runs pretty slowly and, and sometimes it does, but, you know, bravo to you for referencing, for doing the studying for, you know, for your chemist who's done all the research and making it available and, and then to be willing to talk about it. That's what I'm hoping to do here is hoping to have, you know, open, informed, non-judgmental, non-dogmatic conversation that people can benefit from. And I think we're doing that in spades right here. You're certainly doing it. So thank you again. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I have no way, I'm very young and 22. I have no way of understanding your experience or anyone's experience really as a cancer survivor. But, you know, my grandmother who taught me about all of this was diagnosed with cancer and we kind of spent our last, her last days, you know, hanging out, kind of bonding over mushrooms. And she had stage four pancreatic cancer uh, by the time she was diagnosed. So there was really no turning around. And at the time I was in college, but that really is what reinvigorated my interest in all of this. I came home, started picking chaga and we started drinking chaga tea again, like we did in the old days. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, in, in a lot of ways, Birch Boys was born from cancer and, uh, my dog did get diagnosed with, uh, cancer. Uh, just, you know, a year and a half ago, that was the first time I've really had to put my money where my mouth is. And, but I realized for the first time I was dealing with this, but I also realized I had like the arsenal of the best tools at my disposal and I could afford it all because, you know, they were all my mushrooms in the basement. So yeah, cause you're making it. <laughs> yeah, really. That was just such an extremely amazing experience. And I wrote a blog on it on my website, but there was this tumor that she was afraid to remove because she essentially thought he would be incontinent afterwards, which means he wouldn't be able to pass feces uh, ever again. In six days, we had like 14 mushrooms in his diet and we were making turkey tail jello and all sorts of things and mashing it in. In six days, this thing shrunk down to like the size of a dime from the size of like a golf ball. And she just swiftly went in and removed it. And, you know, we worked with our vet and it just goes to show even the doctors or the vets can sometimes doubt that someone is maybe going to put in the work that's required. But if you do, you can really have a great working relationship with, with the system as well. And that's absolutely right. The, we don't know what we don't know, so we can learn. And then we also have to be discerning regarding what questions we ask of certain people. So if I were to ask somebody else that I've had a conversation with on the podcast about lion's mane mushrooms, well, I probably wouldn't get much information. I would really get inaccurate information. Same holds true when, you know, if I talk to my oncologist about diet and nutrition, 
Well, that's not really the right person to talk to about diet and nutrition. He's absolutely the right person to talk to about, you know, oncology and oncological drugs and that work and clinical trials and things like that. But if I want to talk about nutrition, then I should be talking to a nutritionist that I trust. If I want to talk about mushrooms, then I think I'm going to talk to Garrett Cobb. So the point being is we need to be discerning about what we're asking and who we're asking, right? I think it's a really important thing as we take control of our own well-being and our lives and we take responsibility for our own lives that, you know, know who you're asking. Like, don't ask the wrong person the right question. (laughs) The people in the white coats, I don't need to ask them about necessarily mindfulness and meditation, you know, the biology of belief. I don't need to ask my oncologist that. I can ask somebody else that has more knowledge about that. So here we are, you know, having a great, a great wandering conversation about mushrooms. So love that Turkey Tail has some clinical trials out there. That's, that's great to, great to hear. Yeah. And it just moved into stage three. So, I mean, pretty soon we're going to be getting the results of these. This started in 2012. It's been going on for eight years. So it's fascinating. And once again, you know, this goes back to what I said in the beginning, it's the only way I can make sense of the situation, right? Because sometimes you do get bad advice about if you were to go and ask the right question about mushrooms to a doctor. And this isn't to discredit anything that the doctor has researched. It's just that there is so much to learn. There really is. Once again, you know, mushrooms are just broken from the fabric of our society. It was something that we never really culturally got into in America until now. So, With that said, I guess let's talk about maitake. This is the last mushroom I'll cover. It's commonly referred to as hen of the woods, not to be mistaken for chicken of the woods. Once again, this is why I like to use scientific names because it really adds a lot of clarity. You have two different mushrooms. One is chicken of the woods. One of them is hen of the woods. So we're talking about Griffola frondosa, maitake, hen of the woods, also known as the dancing mushroom. This is how many common names exist for some of these things. But uh, the name the dancing mushroom is kind of funny. It stems from the Japanese commoners who would dance for joy when they found maitake, knowing they would be greatly compensated for their discovery. So supposedly they like literally would dance for joy when they found it. Anyway, maitake is one mushroom that you can eat. It's actually a very nutritional, nutritionally rich polypore mushroom. It contains a wealth of beneficial compounds like beta-glucans, antioxidants, phytosterols, fiber, vitamins B and C, potassium, minerals, amino acid. It's demonstrated to support the immune system, lower blood pressure and cholesterol levels, and help the body fight viruses and cancers. So we'll just get into a little bit of that. Maitake is a low calorie and high fiber food, so it can help you feel fuller and avoid overeating, but it actually does a lot more than quell your appetite. It can help with weight loss. Researchers have published studies investigating the impressive ability of maitake to lower blood pressure, cholesterol levels, and improve metabolism. Specifically, maitake inhibits the accumulation of lipids in blood serum in the liver, so it effectively lowers your low-density lipid, LDL, cholesterol levels and risk of associated cardiovascular diseases. And this might be in part due to the presence of the phytosterols in the mushroom, which are a naturally occurring compound that blocks your body from absorbing cholesterol. So that's really one thing that's unique about 
maitake, and it has been shown to be effective for weight loss. One in three adults suffers from high blood pressure, hypertension. In human and animal studies, maitake exhibits cardiovascular benefits, including decreased blood pressure. A 2010 animal study concluded that maitake mushroom lessens age-related hypertension, and the same study found that regular maitake could induce inflammation and support increased longevity and the quality of life. Another animal study found that chronic consumption, 8 to 10 week regular maitake consumption, led to decreased blood pressure. As I as I said when you were, I feel the same way about that as I do about turkey tail, reishi, and chaga. Everything that you're referencing, all the references, and all these things that so many people struggle with. You know, again, we're not providing medical advice, but my goodness, if one has a curious and open mind, why not take a closer look? Yeah, and you know, if I may, Jeff, just to conclude here... I'd love to just in two sentences kind of summarize the benefits of each mushroom. Please. So if you're seeking energy, immunity, or skincare support, choose chaga. Chaga is extremely rich in antioxidants. Kick reishi if you'd like to relax. It has naturally calming properties. It's great for anxiety, your heart, and your lungs. If you're being slowed by brain fog, choose lion's mane. Lion's mane is a nootropic. It can increase awareness, memory, and cognitive function. Get turkey tail. If you suffer from pain or inflammation, turkey tail is the most clinically researched mushroom on earth. Try maitake if you're looking for a natural weight loss assistant or to boost your metabolism or help with cholesterol. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's all. What else can you say about the five mushrooms? Not, Not much more needs to be said. I have a couple things. I would love for you to mention your team's names again, because I think it's really cool. Kim Carpenter is our production manager. She makes our teas. You know, she's doing a lot of like the chaga grinding, the chunks, chopping it up, making the teas, et cetera. Allison Mitchell is our fulfillment manager. So she is responsible for sending every shipment and making sure that that gets out timely and in a way that is protected and presentable. Tyler Nelson is currently our company culture manager. He's helps me with certain administrative tasks as well as just kind of, you know, following me along, picking up where I leave off. Tyler was the first employee I ever had. And uh, we only have him back for a limited amount of time because he's pursuing his doctorate degree in sociology and psychology. So It's always a pleasure to have him when he's not in school, but he'll be going back. And then Maya White is our chemist, and she's been helping me with specific research project I'm doing on Chaga, as well as, you know, general tasks, optimizing our accountability in in everything we do. And of course, you know, I have a board of directors that helps me more strategically. And there's me, of course. And then there are independent harvesters, correct? Yep, we work with a variety of outdoorsmen. I may have said this in the past. Our mascot here in Tupper Lake is actually the Lumberjacks. So that paints a picture of what our community is like. Some of them are actual loggers that work on the same land that we lease for harvesting. And there's, you know, a lot of harvesters. I couldn't name every one of them, but they're definitely, you know, a great asset of living here in the Adirondacks. 
I could come pretty close, but I don't think I could uh, satisfy all of my other responsibilities if I was picking all the mushrooms no, myself. No. So um, bravo again, really and truly to a tight knit team of people clearly committed, you know, your leadership. I know you've done a lot of work through, you know, with Clarkson and the university and, and your education. Look, if you're ever driving through the Adirondacks and you ever go through Tupper Lake, which is, you know, if you're in the Adirondacks, like you're deep, deep, deep in it, you know, stop by the Chaga store, which is remind me what street you're on in Tupper Lake. We are on Park Street, 83 Park Street. 83 Park Street in Tupper Lake. So stop by and, and I've seen pictures of it. I've yet to be in it. I fully expect and anticipate being there this summer. And I know in our last episode, or actually it might even have been offline when we talked about some things that you and Maya and you're working on, and you just referenced it there with Chaga, and I know we're not going to go into it, but I would encourage listeners to, you know, stay tuned to the Birch Boys story and what you're learning, uh, right? You're not waiting for everybody else to figure this out for you, are you, Garrett? <laughs> no, it's not, won't happen quick enough. Right. You're not sitting on your hands. And um, so uh, before we finish, birchboys.com, coupon code ATBS, 15% discount. Thank you for that. That'll be ongoing. It's on your first order. Really important, um, you know, supporting great businesses. Is that your dog? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all right. That's Joey. <laughs> That's Joey. Yeah. Glad to have Joey along. Um, <laughs> yep. and everybody in the back being quiet. So, uh, any, any, uh, closing thoughts from you, Garrett? No, just thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you having me and the opportunity to, to share what I know about mushrooms. It's my great pleasure to have you on and we'll do everything we can to push the information out. And, and, and as we said, we're going to cross pollinate and Joey's going to, Joey's going <laughs> to take us going out. crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, uh, thanks Jeff. Have a beautiful day. I appreciate it. Thank you, Garrett. That was quite a trip through the world of polypore mushrooms. Thank you, Garrett, and thank you to the dedicated team at Birch Boys. Heartfelt thank you to all of you listeners from me here in the ATBS podship. Hope you're having as much fun listening as I am on my end. I encourage you to visit birchboys.com. When you place an order, be sure to enter promo code ATBS and you'll receive a 15% discount on your first order. And please subscribe to ATBS and spread the word in any way you're comfortable doing so. If you'd like to support ATBS financially, click on the Become a Patron button at the top of our homepage at atbsthepodcast.com. And until next time, go for a walk and make friends with the outdoors.